0: Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Cletus Earl, CIO at Penn State Health. In this segment, Earl talks about the interesting dynamic leaders face in carrying on with initiatives while bracing for the next wave of COVID, why he believes it's critical to recognize the resilience and hard work put forth by IT during the pandemic, and what leaders can do to help address racial inequity and promote diversity across health IT. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR. Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare see your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. When
1: did you actually start? That was over the winter?
2: I started December 30th. So okay. the, first, the first of the year, January 3rd, I believe, was my first full week. No, actually, I think January 1st was a Wednesday or so. So I started like right then and um, after the beginning of that week. And it's been a whirlwind since. COVID has been an eye-opener.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you're really in the midst of getting to know the organization, getting to know the people, and then everything gets turned on its head.
2: Yeah, it was interesting because the first couple of weeks, we had some major system issues here. So it was really tough. I talked about baptism by fire. So I was going, Mm. going with some major disruption issues. And then once we started to get out of that, it brought us into February or so, started to ramp down trying to remediate. And then as soon as that occurred, <laughs> then COVID, right? So it's, yep. been, a, it's okay. been a whirlwind. It's, it's been a true whirlwind that I've never, ever saw before.
1: Yeah, I, I can imagine. Where you are right now, what is the status as far as COVID rates, but also um, is your team still remote or what's, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, everybody's remote. Our mm-hmm. organization okay. is still at a remote level. We're trying to determine if everybody stays that way and how many people are going to be permanently remote. It's an interesting process. Um, our IT people, there's some people that love it and some people hate it. So we're going to yeah. use that as a framework to you know, build a model of what the new norm is. I kind of look at yeah. this on September 11th. Remember after September 11th, it changed the world. Mm-hmm. created industries like the TSA. It created a, a disruption. And we got to learn to live with it. This mm-hmm. is going to be that. This is actually bigger than 9-11, actually, because this is something that impacted the entire world, right? And yeah. Everybody is going to adjust. So I, I can't imagine what's going to come out of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a comparison that, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, this is even on a larger scale. And, and now, um, were there certain initiatives, projects, things that did have to go on the back burner, or is that something you tried to avoid, which I can't imagine is easy being new?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, everything had to go on a back burner, and I know you've talked to other CIOs during these Mm -hmm. times. I mean, everybody had to go in a a perspective that everything stopped. All of our patients were COVID patients, right? You couldn't even have patients in your hospitals. All the electives stopped, all of the other business stopped. So as we were trying to figure it out, you know, we were adjusting to a whole new model of supporting staff that's gonna be on a remote basis. And it was just very interesting working through those dynamics, being able Mm -hmm. to accommodate, being able to adjust in real time. Our team did some amazing work in such a short amount of time. It's just tantamount to the resilience, ingenuity and drive.
1: Yeah. And, And as far as how you approached it, being new or you know recently with the organization, did that kind of change any of the way you did things or how did you view that?
2: It's interesting because we ended up adopting a model that technologists have been using for a little while, very agile, very fail-fast methodology, right? Mm-hmm. You know, sprints, we really, I think the entire working population adjusted to that kind of approach. Smaller groups, less complexity, making fast decisions we adjusted it we do this you know on a regular basis but i think the organizations adjusted in a much faster time frame than i would imagine they would we were forced to do it we were forced yeah. to adjust fast we were forced to make uh, the appropriate accommodations to take care of our patients in a different manner so i have, i've never seen anything yeah. like it i'm hoping that i don't see anything else like this the good news mm-hmm. is we've done it before so when phase 2 comes around the next wave, we will be prepared because we understand, and this is a good news by you, letting science help us drive us in these initiatives, we understand it's going to happen again. We've kind of ramped down some of our activities. We are ready to ramp back up in a relatively fast amount of time. So that's a different approach, right? To yeah. kind of always be oh, in yeah. a state of preparedness of this kind of catastrophe. That's a pretty interesting dynamic.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the things I've heard that's pretty interesting is that this is, is changing disaster preparedness in such a dramatic way.
2: Absolutely. It's, it's something to be said. It, it really is. It's, it's a, a feat <laughs> to do this <laughs> stuff. This is not an not easy task, right? Over 7,000 people working from home. And if you look at the university side, Penn State university. We have over uh, 80,000 to 120,000 people you have to accommodate across the state. That's not a small task. You know, you have some universities that are communities, right? So when you're really talking about supporting that many people, that's a lot. And so you gotta, you gotta almost be grateful and and just kind of reflect and say, wow, look what we just did. But now more importantly is saying what we could do in the future. If we use utilize that same kind of,
1: uh, rigor. Right. Yeah. You said whirlwind and I think that that's a really good way to describe it because that's how I can imagine it must have been. But I also really wanted to talk about the really major events that have happened. And I listened to the talk that you did with Ed Marks and I mean, it was really interesting. And one of the, the points that I kept thinking about was that maybe because of COVID and there being, you know, so much focus on that, there was finally more attention drawn to you know what's been such a, a huge issue because you hear people saying like oh yeah this is the year that there's been racial injustice and it has to be extremely maddening because obviously this has been going on but now we're seeing a light on it
2: yeah yeah it, it is maddening for anybody to say this is the year that it started Ugh. it didn't start this has always mm-hmm. been in place the major differences i wouldn't even attribute it to the cameras because mm-hmm. we've seen before where people like Eric Gardner and other folks have died on, on video. People being shot in the mm-hmm. back, Castillo's, it could just go on and on. The videos yeah. have been there. So it's not about the cameras. I do believe that the COVID criteria has removed many of the distractions. Sports yeah. and other things that usually when this occurs, people are able to easily turn the channel. And mm-hmm. look at something else. But now, since there are no distractions, these are highly covered I- um, items, it's a different narrative. And I think that this is what's making this transform. And also, to watch a murder occur, and almost the callousness that occurred with it. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people can look away from that and say that yeah. you, know, you don't feel, as a human, a human being, being able to have empathy for what happened and for the family that has been impacted in that manner. So it's a very compelling piece to know for people of color. I go through this all the time that you can go outside and you're not too sure if you would be able to make it home. And it's not because of a car accident or something of the tragedy, but it's a high likelihood of not returning because people don't like the way you look or they have a problem of the color of your skin or other the type of issues that people have with, um, you know, other human beings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I really wanted to talk about this, like from a leadership perspective. And as you had pointed out, and as anybody can see, the, the percentage of CIOs who are black is just extremely low. And could this kind of be a catalyst to maybe start some more conversations or start some more initiatives to, to change this?
2: The time for talk. The time for reflection is gone and we need a time for action. And it's Mm -hmm. very, very clear that there's a disconnect. Even if we're talking about technology in this industry, what could we do as IT leaders? We need to go out and look at areas of how do we improve the exposure of our industry and providing opportunities for people. I've heard a colleague say something. She mentioned that she was given an opportunity and then it made me reflect back at my career and I too was given an opportunity. And I and I thought that was so profound. And Maria said that. Maria's from ATT. She did a great job explaining to us that there's so many people that if they weren't given opportunities, where would they be in life? And yeah. you know, I look back at my own career and can you imagine how many other people that are teenagers or are younger? that all they need to be given is an opportunity and there could be thousands of Cletus Earls, thousands of brands. and what could that mean for us? And it's not just, you know, whether you're a Latinx community or African-American, but it's also the women and the STEM and, Mm -hmm. and people from the LGBTQIA communities. And it's just startling to know that there's just this disconnect in certain industries And and we need to start to make
1: that change. Yeah. And I think of it as being maybe two areas. And one kind of focused more on what can be done to organizations now. And then the other component being how can more of a pipeline be built? I know that when you were at Kaleida, we had some conversations where you were talking about being in Buffalo and going out and talking to kids in schools. And it was something that really stuck with me because it seems like it's something that does have a lot of promise if people are really willing to put that time into it.
2: I completely agree. You understand, and we've talked about this, Kate, that I've seen areas of opportunities and really starting early in life, you know, knowing that what we're talking about is a social problem. And like any social yes. problem, you have to start early, right? Identify it early and you have to try to do something about it. And what we did there, it wasn't just me, it was us, it was a group, it was teams, it was others that worked diligently to try to make a difference in your communities. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I I like to share with teams, and I shared back then too, is how do you make that difference? How do you bring other executives in? I think it starts uh, with, it doesn't have to be a person of color doesn't have to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I think it's powerful if our white male colleagues, CIOs, and IT executives go into inner-city schools and then showing yeah. them that there are opportunities, right? Just opening up the opportunities of just what this industry is about. And yeah. it's, a, it's a, whole, a whole community activity or initiative that would allow us to be successful. I was watching something on television yesterday, and hearing the program, it was this group of folks, white Americans... And actually, it's all around the world. So I wouldn't say it's just Americans. And the one gentleman said that this issue that we have is not necessarily a Black problem. This is a white problem. It's Hmm. a problem. And what I mean by that is, what he meant by that was, it's something for white people to help address as well. It's just just not a Black person thing, right? We need Mm -hmm. everybody to help address this. We all have to be at the table to thwart this evil virus of racism. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: and until we all, or those who want to make a change, figure out that it's this collective issue is our problem. And it's not just a their problem, till we get that understanding in this space, we're all going to be dealing with this for a long time.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, Visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com/podcast.